The Holy Gospel for today comes to us from the Gospel of Mark. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. This is the Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. God's beloved people, grace to you in peace from God, our Creator, and from our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to begin today with a photograph. I'm going to have Silas put on the screen. Do any of you recognize this or know its significance? This was the first photograph taken from outer space in 1946. From 65 miles above the Earth, it was taken from a German V-2 rocket that had been captured during the war. And it was the first that gave this vision of our home planet to people. But as science and technology advanced throughout the 20th century, there were many more pictures to come like this one, this is from 1972, from the Apollo 17 astronauts. This one, I think, um, has become a really iconic, it's the blue marble image of the Earth. I think it's made a lot of money for NASA in t-shirts and in posters. And then in 1992, this stunning image came from the Galileo that was traveling to Jupiter and this is of Earth and our moon. If we ever had any doubts that we were just one small part of a vast universe, these photographs confirmed it. Like this, night, this 2014 photograph taken from Mars, and that is Earth. In fact, there was one version of this that had the words, you are here, with an arrow. <laughs> When I look at this, I feel a sense of awe and reverence. My perspective changes. There is so much going on out there that is beyond my imagination, beyond my ability to comprehend. I think that this kind of change in perspective is what's going on in our first reading today. In Genesis 15, we hear a conversation between Abram and God it's not their first conversation. That occurs back in chapter 12 when, out of the blue, God calls Abram to move his family and flocks to a new land. With this call, God made promises to Abram. I will make of you a great nation and give you fertile land in which to dwell. You will be a blessing to others. Abram responded to this call with eagerness. He packed up everyone and everything and stepped out courageously into this adventure of faith. The conversation between Abram and God in today's text isn't quite as simple because some time has passed and things hadn't gone according to Abram and Sarai's expectations. The land that they had been promised was already inhabited by others, so they lived there as aliens and not owners. They hadn't, there hadn't been any children, and so becoming a great nation seemed unlikely. 
So when God approached Abram a second time, Abram had questions. How is this going to work, God? Is my heir going to be from my servant, who I guess would legally be my heir, but that's not what I imagined? And how can I possess a land that belongs to someone else? Abram wanted a little flesh put on the bones of God's promises. He wanted assurance that their faith and their hope was not in vain. I can relate to that. We who have answered this call to live by faith, to live by God's promises, we too seek assurance for our faith and our hope. I know that from time to time, like Abram, I have questions. What's going on, God? I believe you're the author and sustainer of life, and you have promised never to abandon us. And yet things seem so messed up. There's so much pain and suffering in this world. Why is this? You breathe your spirit of peace, and yet there is so much conflict and violence. You are the resurrection and the life, and yet it seems that death is lurking around every corner in some form or another. Do you remember your promises, God? Help me understand. Faith seeks understanding, so it makes sense that a life of faith is a life with questions. But I think many of them can be summed up in one question. Can we trust you, God? Are your promises trustworthy? And true. Abraham is no minor character in scripture, nor is Sarah. They are towering figures in three of the world's enduring religions. But this story really isn't about their faithfulness. It's about God's faithfulness, God's trustworthiness. This is what Abram is asking about. And God doesn't take Abram's questions lightly, doesn't dismiss his need for assurance. God responds in two powerful ways. First, God points Abram to creation, specifically to the night sky. Consider the heavens, Abram. Look at the stars and count them if you can. Your descendants will be like these. God speaks the promise again to Abram. And by pointing to the sky, God broadens Abram's perspective, reminds him that he is part of something much bigger than he will ever be able to comprehend or imagine. Have you had that experience before in nature? Maybe standing at the Pacific Ocean or looking down from a peak in the Cascades or the Olympics where you get that sense that you are just one small part of something so much bigger These are sacred moments. This kind of perspective is such a gift. We human creatures tend to get turned in on ourselves, preoccupied with the problems of each day, trying to work out everything in our brain or in our heart. We forget to look up, to consider the heavens, as the psalmist encourages us to consider the lilies of the field or the birds of the air as Jesus instructs us. When I am in an open place away from all of the city lights where I can see the starry night, I am in awe and keenly aware of all that I don't know, of all that I will never understand. 
I'm told that the light that I see from the North Star is actually 680 years old. That's amazing. I have no way to verify that on my own. But I believe it because people who are trustworthy have told me it's true. Scientists tell me that there are more than 2 billion stars alone in our Milky Way. Okay. I have no way to test that. But I find it spectacular and awe-inspiring. Mystery and awe and not knowing are all part of faith. I like to think this is why God points Abram to the sky, not only to help him imagine his descendants, but to remind him that he would never comprehend the mind of God. Even so, he could trust the promises of God. To help him with that, God makes a covenant with Abram. The covenant ritual found in this same chapter that we didn't read today sounds strange to our ears. It involves hooved animals and birds and a flaming torch. But the concept of a covenant is not strange to us. A covenant binds us to promises, like the covenant of marriage, in a tangible way that Abram could see and hear and touch. God bound God's self to divine promises. The covenant stood as a reminder to Abram that God would never abandon these promises. And in time, we see in the story Abraham and Sarah are blessed with a family. The promises and the covenant were passed down generation after generation until, like light from a distant star, these same promises made their way to us. You and I are part of this bigger story, the story of God's call, of God's blessing, of God's enduring love and grace. As Christians, we've been written into this story through Jesus Christ. In Jesus, God's promises took on flesh. In him, we are given new perspective of God and the reign of God. We are shown what it looks like to be fully human. In Jesus, we see that there is nothing, not even death, that will separate us from the love of God. God's ancient promises come to us in Christ. And in the covenant of baptism, we are joined to the life and death and resurrection of Christ, just as little Jameson Baylor will be at our 945 service today. Once again, God will bind God's self to these ancient promises as Jameson will be written into this story. Like any good covenant, holy baptism is something we can see and hear and touch. And it stands as a reminder for us that the God of all creation, the God of Abraham and Sarah, the God who claimed Jesus as the beloved son, this same God is with us now. Day in and day out, God is calling us and blessing us and upholding us and speaking words to us that are trustworthy and true. Thanks be to God for these resilient promises. Amen.